Sounds. Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we're here today to bring you Minute number 21 of Ghostbusters. Brady, how are you doing today? Doing good. How about you? I'm doing great, especially after the epic, super long episode we had yesterday. Yeah, I know. Seriously. 30 minutes on it. You know, uh, it, but like we said, it was one of our favorite minutes of the movie. That's true. There's a lot going on. A lot of content in that a one. A lot of stuff happening in that one. So, minute 21 here, we're going to get a little bit more into the introduction of Janine and kind of start moving the story along, the the main plot, which is the story of the boys versus Zool and the introduction of Dana Barrett and all that. So, uh, if you're ready, I'm ready. We can go ahead and get into it. Let's do it. Okay, great. So, in the previous minute, Peter Venkman has just asked Janine if they've gotten any calls. Janine is transfixed on her People magazine. At minute 21, Peter asks Janine if they've had any customers come by. She responds with a no, Dr. Vankman, with an icy glare. At 2110, Vankman tells Janine to type, type something, will you? We're paying for all this stuff. At 2113, Vankman tells Janine to stop staring at me, Janine, you give me the bug eyes, then immediately apologizes and retreats to his office. At 2122, Egon emerges from beneath Janine's desk. Janine tells Egon that he is very handy and tells him that she thinks he reads a lot too. Egon responds with a very ahead of its time, print is dead. At 2135, Janine tells Egon that is very fascinating and that she reads a lot herself, completely missing what Egon has just said. At 2145, after bragging about herself for a few seconds, Janine asks Egon if he has any hobbies. Egon responds with the now famous line, and say it with me, I collect spores, molds, and fungus. At 2150, Dana Barrett enters the firehouse and says, hello. And that concludes Minute 21 of Ghostbusters Minute. So uh, we get some funny interplay here between Janine and Egon, and it's interesting that this happens because did you know in an early version of the script they actually had a little bit of a budding relationship? Really? Yeah, apparently early on in one of the scripts uh, she had given him a coin before they went off to fight, fight Zool, like a lucky coin. Mm-hmm. And uh, throughout it she shows a lot of uh, burgeoning affection towards Egon. She seems like a very lonely person, Janine. And she's expertly played by Annie Potts. By uh, Annie Potts. So was that in like one of the drafts of uh, Ghost Smashers? Didn't really find that. I did find that it was in the early versions. And there's actually some artifacts of that left in the movie. Some of that stuff was filmed. So right here we kind of get them talking to each other. And Egon, of course, is really shy. You know, he ends everything with like, like spores, moles, and fungus, and just yeah. runs off. You know, there is a deleted scene that I think you can find on one of the DVD editions of Janine wishing uh, Egon well before they go off to fight. You know, yeah. in battle. That's when she gives him the, the coin and Vankman kind of interrupts them. Yeah. You remember later on in the movie, too, Louis Tully comes over and she tells him that she's got a very bad feeling about this. I'm usually very psychic. You remember yeah. saying that yeah. to him? And she kind of like holds herself close to him. And this was further explored in the real Ghostbusters cartoon. You know, when Janine and Egon kind of had a little bit of relationship in that cartoon as well. Yeah, that? yeah, that's right. Yeah, they were kind of a little bit of a couple in there. And then, of course, it's completely abandoned by Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, when, when she shacks up with Lewis. She's macking on Lewis the whole yeah. movie. So, I, um, And you can really tell, too, in the second one that she was influenced by the cartoon. I mean, they really yeah. changed her look and... So of, of all the characters, there's two characters in these movies that changed dramatically between movie one, cartoon, and the uh, and movie two. And that Who's the to, other? Slimer. Yeah, that's Slimer that's right, starts. That's right. uh, Slimer ends up a completely different puppet in the second movie, and you know, in, in the first movie, he's kind of this like you know funny trouble causing ghost, and we do see at the end of the movie, he's at least the last ghost left alive in New York City. <laughs> do you think that he's a little overproduced in the second one? Uh, well, okay, so uh, <clears throat> no, I don't, because Slimer's a funny character, right? He's he's the ghost with the most. He's the ghost that we're we're kind of attached to the most. So I think he was, if anything, there was just a little. Okay, so he's like Bubba Fett. 
Yeah, in, okay. in the first movie. He's the Bubba Fett of the Ghostbusters series. We just get a little bit of him, but you think he's a, he's a cool guy and you want to see more of him, right? So by the yeah. time the second one comes around, yeah, I guess he's a little bit played up, but I don't know if I would necessarily call him call him overproduced, you know. Yeah. It's, we'll, we'll get we'll get more on Slimer whenever we get around to him. So the other character is Janine, who in this movie is just kind of this like nor- nerdy dorky uh, yeah. uh secretary. Her rapport uh with Peter is just hysterical. It's absolutely hysterical throughout the movie. And um, he's such a jackass to her. But yeah, Janine was played by Annie Potts, who was really big in the 80s. She showed up in Pretty in Pink, Jumpin' Jack Flash, and the Toy Story films, uh, the first and second one. Oh, I didn't know she was in Toy Story. Who did she play? Yeah, she does the voice of Little Bo Peep. Really? Actually, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I didn't and know she's that. got a great voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great she does. Voice. Yeah. So I tell you what, man, Egon has some strange game going on if he just keeps her, you know. Keeps her around, keeps her into him without doing anything. Yeah. I, I don't even know why she keeps a job there, the way she's treated. So. <laughs> I would walk out. Yeah. You know, and you were, we were talking about this, too, earlier, that Janine is there until very late in the evening. We see later when she gets the call from the Sedgwick Hotel. Yeah. That's it, like dinner time. It's cool because you can tell that she's part of the team. I mean, she really has a vested interest in it whenever she slams on the bell and screams, we got one. You mm-hmm. can tell that she's, you know, in it. That's one trope that I hate in movies that I see is when people are working in office buildings into into nighttime. You know, like you might have like a police yeah. unit. It makes sense because police have to work around the clock, uh, or, or around the clock. But sometimes you see like an investment banker in some tall tower, and he's there, and it's nighttime in the background. And the whole time I'm thinking, like, it's five o'clock. Why aren't you? At, yeah. You know, it's past yeah, five. Right. When it the, when the clock hits five, I'm done. I'm I know out. my ass would be out of there. Yeah, no, no overtime. No, thank you. I'm done. Seriously. So, but uh, yeah, Janine had a little bit of backstory explored in the cartoon. Nothing really worth note, but uh, it was cool to see her actually team up. And put on a proton pack and a mm-hmm. jumpsuit and get, you know, really, really involved. She was um, the first lady Ghostbuster. That's right. Yeah. So I was noticing in this scene in particular, and it's it's apparent in scenes before this, you know, Harold Ramis, really known as a director and a writer, right? Yeah. He really threw himself into the Egon character in this movie. And he kind of loses, you lose who Harold Ramis is and he almost takes on just Egon. Egon kind of became this like icon of nerd culture for the 80s, right? Yeah, definitely. Like he was a nerd who wasn't a completely a comedic foil in anything in this movie. He has a leg up on everybody else, you know? Yeah, like, I can see that. He's a little bit ahead. Intellectually, there's no, I mean, Ray's probably the closest to his, to his territory. It's, it's funny because, you know, Egon, I'm, I'm sorry, Peter at some points tries to kind of cut Egon down. And every time he does, Egon topples him. Like he says, yeah. Oh, I like the, I bet the ladies dig the big cranium of yours. And he's like, I think they're more interested in my epididymis. And Peter's sitting there like, I, I don't know what that word means. <laughs> and Egon's just kind of smiling. But yeah, uh, in, in this, I think he, um, I think he would get really bored with Janine really fast. I think. Yeah, I, I agree. So, so gonna, did, gonna move on, gonna move on, move on to, Lewis. Did you know originally there were other actors who were considered for the role of Egon? Uh, no, who's that? Uh, let's see. Christopher Walken, John Lithgow, Christopher Lloyd, and Jeff Goldblum were all considered at one point or another to play Egon before finally Harold Ramis said, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and do this character myself. I wonder what made him do that, decide I, to you know, jump in there. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it could have been that they were, I don't know if they were auditioned or if they were just names that were put on a wall at some point. Maybe it, he said, hey, we, could, we need to shoot this movie. Let me just go ahead and take on the character myself and we don't have to worry about all this casting. Because we know at least a couple other characters in this movie, like you know, we talked about with Christopher Stewart, that uh, John Candy was originally considered for the role of Lewis Tully right, before yeah. he showed up and they said, this this isn't going to work. So you never know if these guys showed up or they did an audition or maybe they weren't getting it or not. But And you always got to wonder if these guys actually shot screen tests or did auditions, if there's footage out there of these people 
doing that. And that's the kind of stuff I love to see. I don't know if you've ever seen like screen test of other actors doing James Bond. Like I know Sam Neill did one that was, you know, interesting to see him in there. But um, the most famous screen test I can think of is, um, oh God, Magnum P.I.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck, thank you. Yeah, to do Indiana Jones, which he actually did, I think, a hell of a job uh, as Indiana Jones. Yeah, I think it would have been interesting. You know, we've definitely jumped on that before in this show but uh yeah what didn't recently didn't some of the han solo tapes come out or wasn't no it's not recently but i was i was talking to you about it recently um there's one of kurt russell that i, huh. I think might have worked you know it's, yeah it's hard to it's hard it's impossible to say with stuff like that right right well with these guys i could definitely see like you know christopher lloyd went on to play you know crazy yeah. mad scientist and back to the future i think maybe he would have been pretty good but i i don't know that anybody else really would have thrown themselves into the role the way that harold ramus did yeah i mean he's perfect his, his egon is egon yeah and his rapport all of their rapport together is just you know untouchable mm-hmm. so janine puts up with a lot of on the job abuse yeah would, would, would you put up with that much abuse at any job you'd have no <laughs> absolutely not especially if it's coming from uh you know somebody the likes of peter Venkman. a guy like peter Venkman. absolutely not yeah so. I, I'm, I'm surprised she didn't get to step and you know like later in the movie she does say that she hasn't been paid for two weeks and yeah. that in of itself is like hang on what if, it's, if my job misses a paycheck i'm not coming in until they get that straight yeah, th- there's, there's got to be some kind of other draw there i'm i don't know maybe her interest in egon who knows well, that's about all the notes that I have for this day. How about you? Uh, yeah, same here. For this minute, excuse me. But I do want to give a big thanks real quick to a big fan of ours, uh, David Cole from Boston, who sent us a case of Ecto Cooler yeah. in the mail the other day. That was pretty cool. Yes. So we, we didn't open any up for this show, but I think maybe tomorrow when we come in here, we're going to, I mean, I, I feel like I might need a sugar rush. So no, I'm going to go open let's, one Let's go get them right now. Yeah. I'll okay. grab some. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Okay, great. Well, that pretty much sums it up for today. So tomorrow we're going to get to minute number 22 when we get Dana Barrett meeting Peter Venkman for the first time. So make sure you tune in for that. That's going to be pretty great. All right. Well, everybody, thank you very much. Uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we're here to remind you that death is but a door. Time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com, facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, and look us up on Instagram at ghostbustersminute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.